this is Liren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Maggie Zhu of Omnivore's Cookbook. Maggie founded her blog in 2013, where she shares traditional Chinese and Chinese-American dishes with approachable recipes for Western kitchens, reflecting her own cooking journey from her native Beijing to her current kitchen in New York. More recently, Maggie has been enjoying a more plant-based diet, which leads us to her first cookbook, Chinese Homestyle Everyday Plant-Based Recipes for Takeout, Dim Sum, Noodles, and More. I am so excited to welcome Maggie to the podcast. Hey, Maggie. Hi, how are you? It's uh, such a pleasure to uh, to get invited oh, to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you. Honestly, I did not know that you had a cookbook in the works until it literally popped up in my mail. <laughs> and I was so happy because... You know, I remember the last time I saw you, which was what we were talking about this before we got mm -hmm. on, was at a conference and you yeah. had been starting your plant-based journey at that point. But before we begin, I always mm -hmm. start by asking, what's the first thing you ever cooked and about how old were you? That was a long time ago. I, I'm pretty sure the first thing I made was uh, the tomato and egg stir fry. Oh, the classic. Yes. 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 I really loved I think maybe early elementary school. I cannot remember exactly, but it was like when I was actually pretty, like, you know, like I actually didn't really cook much growing up. Like actually, mm -hmm. which I mentioned in the book too, like I learned like cooking way after when I actually started to uh, went to Japan and you know, all that. But I, yeah, I, I love the egg and tomato stir fry. I just like, oh, I, I think just one day I'm like, I'm hungry. I really need something. I just made it. And I'm did being, you just have I, that in your, you had watched your mom make yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never made it before. Nobody taught me this, but you, you know, you, you you saw it like a thousand times. You're just yeah. like, okay, I'm just going to do this. So I made it. Oh, that's fun. That dish reminds me of my dad. He used to whip that up for us and I need to make that again. It's been a while. It's a run off my favorite. It's like, yeah, so good. So could you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? What life looked like before you be began Omnivore's cookbook and Take us back to your childhood in, in Beijing and yeah, and that cooking journey because clearly, mm -hmm. you know, it started a little later. Yeah, I uh, so I, I was born and grew up in Beijing and I didn't come to the U.S. until 2015. So I was, uh, it, my family was a traditional Chinese family and uh, I've been eating just very like simple, healthy, home-style Chinese food growing up. My mom she cooks every day three meals and when i was going to school she even packed my lunch and all that like many many years and she never really taught me how to cook and because she wanted me to focus my time on study mm -hmm. and you know she's like don't don't worry about this you just do your study and i'll cook everything so now until uh, i I graduated from college and I was planning to go to Japan to study for two years. Mm -hmm. And I never, like I maybe cooked really simple things like a fried rice here and there. But now until I go to Japan, it's like, oh, like what do I, I actually have to, yeah, I was like, actually I need to need, need to cook things. Like I need to know how to cook vegetables and do all that stuff. Like, you know, things I really want to eat. So I was calling her, you know, asking her like, oh, how to make this and that. And the instruction was extremely vague, you know, mm -hmm. like every Chinese mom or grandma, she was like, you know, you chopped it up and 
stir fry until it looks good, and then you add a splash of soy sauce, like you know, kind of like that. And it was like I, I, I would, I think I did it accordingly, but it didn't taste right. Uh oh. <laughs> so it was like hmm, something's like not not good, or like this is wrong. So I had that. Like I, I actually kind of like that went on for a while until I started to read a lot of Japanese like cooking magazines and blogs and books. Um, because in Japan, I think the home cooks are like they're really serious about their cooking and craft, and they have so many like very detailed instructions uh, on how to prep things, how to you know how to cut things, like where you you get uh, where you get ingredients, sauces, and you know the like even step by step mm -hmm. like that. It, it really really helped me to like. Learns the dishes that I've never done before. I remember the first thing I made was sweet and sour chicken, and I was just like, I really, really want this, and <laughs> I don't know how to do it. So I learned it from a Japanese magazine, and my friends are so impressed. They're like, "Wow, the this!" Huh. So I because I that was really long time, two thousand seven or yeah, two thousand seven. I think there's more and more, you know, like good Chinese recipes these days. But back then, there the resource was really limited because, mm -hmm. like, even when you read, like, you know, people like magazine or books, sometimes they don't even give you like measurement. Yeah. So I I learned all about like you know how to properly measure things like all those like really important, very very important, you know, like make sauce like you cannot, you don't. They just tell you, oh, mix the soy sauce and the wine and the sugar and salt. I'm like. You know how? <laughs> Tell me so, more. <laughs> yeah, it's really good to know, like you know, like how to properly measure things. So I actually learned this whole uh, cooking style when I was in Japan, and after I went back to China, I started my food blog because I really I I felt my passion during learning the cooking, and I want to you know keep keep that going. Mm -hmm. And I started my blog, and I tried my best. To、uh, you know, mimic those styles I learned from Japan. It's like you know, like break it down because I, when I started learning Chinese cooking, even though I grew up eating the food and I observe, I kind of know like how it was done.、Mm -hmm. It's not that easy if it's your first time to cook it. Yeah. But you know, with the proper instruction, it's like it's also like not as hard as you thought. You know, it's kind of like a contradictory. But I feel like that way. It's like on one hand. It looks hard, but then actually, I try to make it really approachable and easy. That's that's a whole goal of my blog. I think it's so interesting that the I guess the recipe writing in Japan is so much more precise. I didn't realize、mm. that, and I think that was probably really good training, not just for you as a cook, but for you as a recipe writer. I think so. They're really down to details. I feel like that's like like a cultural thing.、Yeah. Like they're really, you know,、uh, meticulous about those things. Yeah, which, which I think is great. You know? Yeah, it is great, and it's it's something that you know people who are just starting blogging now, like they people tell them, oh, you have to provide details and step by step instructions and things like that, and. For you, you already were doing that from the get go because you, uh, you were learning. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I mean, like, I definitely not doing it.、Um, you know, it's also like a process of evolving and finding my own style. And like, I've learned, I've learned so many things along the way. Definitely,、mm -hmm. like at the very beginning, I wasn't that thorough 
because I still remember like uh, talking about ingredients, just like kind of assume people would know that. Mm-hmm. And I think it, oh, you know, the the other kind of changed really helped me uh, adapt and learn was the time when I, after I moved to the U.S. Because I, even back then when I was like writing things like, oh, you know, like I, I tried to break it down, like, you know, even like how you prep this first and then you cook this, you know, like I, I really write a lot of details, but I think I was still assuming people can find ingredients and I just like, oh, you soy sauce and stuff, this and that. Not until after I come to the U.S. is like stuff you can buy, buy in the grocery store is so different. I was like now I understand why people asking me all those questions yeah. it's like you know which brand to buy or like oh how you know it, it's like I, for me it's like it's so basic because you just go to a st- grocery store to buy the tool but here mm-hmm. it's like it's just so different so that was when I realized like okay and and the produce is different too you know yeah, like whatever yeah. what what's available so I started to do more like adaptions and you know, like even break down to more details to help people understand the basics and the, the sauces and all that. So you came to Austin, uh, you continued your blog there, and then you moved to New York. Have you noticed any, um, I, I'm guessing I know the answer to this, mm-hmm. but what has your experience been like moving from Austin to New York, sourcing ingredients and cooking in that kitchen? I mean, New York, I feel like you get really spoiled because uh, Chinatown and all the markets, it's just like because it's, it's, it's such a dense city and there are so many immigrants. So it's so easy for you to get everything. Like I was, I was um, before moving, I was lower, living in Lower East Side. It was like literally walking distance to Chinatown and there's a really good HMR nearby. And even the regular grocery store there, some are run by Chinese people and, uh, you know, it's like a regular grocery store, but then there are like Asian eggplant and the mushrooms and all that stuff. It's like, it is so, it was so easy. Yeah. Back in Austin, back in Austin, it was pretty hard. So now it's nicer because they just opened a, a H Mart. Well, actually like the, the year, like, I think we're, we moved many years, how many years ago, three or four years ago. I mean, anyway, there was a new H Mart. And I think it's they even opened a Ranch 99 later on. But when I was there, like most of the time, there was like one uh, Chinese grocery store and it's kind of far mm. and it's not that well stocked. So I had a, such a hard time like finding things. So I was, I think during that time, I was trying to do a lot of adaptions, tell, tell people like, you know, if you cannot find this, just use the Swiss chart, you know, just use the kale. And, you know, I was doing a lot of that because Chinese vegetables are hard to find. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you if you don't have those resources or 99 Ranch or H Mart, I'm excited because, so I grew up with an H Mart, not even knowing it was an H Mart mm-hmm. <laughs> because I grew up in New York and one of the first H Marts was literally maybe a few blocks away from my house. And I didn't even know it was H Mart because... Mm-hmm the sign wasn't in English. And so it wasn't until I moved away that I realized, oh, that's that was H Mart. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's so funny. isn't it weird? I'm just excited that there's going to be an H Mart close to my house again here. But okay, so you started Omnivore's cookbook, and then you shifted to a plant-based diet. Maybe you can tell everyone a bit about what brought you in that direction from omnivore to plant-based and, and then eventually how you've shifted your cooking. 
So I really started, uh, actually my husband started it. He is a runner and he always trained for races and stuff. And uh, he found out that plant-based diet, the meals help him recover faster from mm. the training. And uh, so I, so he's like, oh, I, I, I want to do this, try this for a while. I was like, okay, great. Like I, I, I was curious. So uh, we actually did a, quite a few months of uh, fully plant-based and I really enjoyed it because I feel like <clears throat> for me, I do yoga um, and eating plant-based helped me to do yoga better somehow. Like you, I can stretch better, I can move better. And after eating plant-based food, I don't feel heavy and mm -hmm. I digest the food faster and I feel lighter. In general, I don't feel like super sleepy or tired throughout the day. Like I didn't need too much like coffee or anything to stay awake after a meal. So I was um, really interested. I'd, I'd say like, you know, my website is now fully plant-based. So I it, it, <clears throat> actually, I was never like 100%, like expect, uh, except the time that we tried it out. Like I think there's a few months we did like fully plant-based. Mm -hmm. And later on, I still have like, yeah, because I kind of just eat everything here and there, but I did started to eat ma like mainly plant-based throughout my week for a, quite a while. And then we moved to New York and then I start, we started to discover all those amazing Buddhist restaurants, you know, like a vegan and vegetarian restaurant. And re it really blew my mind because the food is just, there are like hundreds of dishes on the menu <laughs> that they just made plant-based and it's like so tasty and uh, the texture and the flavor they're really really close to the uh, you know the meat version mm -hmm. and it was pretty fascinated and they were I think it's that was the major inspiration for my cookbook because at the time I think there were some really nice Chinese vegetarian cookbooks but they weren't uh, plant-based at least I, that was the year I, like I tried to propose ideas and I thought oh this I, I thought it's a really interesting niche to explore yeah, and I really love the food I, because I cook it for my friends, and they just love it. And uh, I, 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 and I have, I have friends who are vegetarian or or plant based, and you know they all often ask me questions. So, or or even like, like we discussed just a little before uh, we started the recording, that there are more and more plant forward people. I feel like even like you know a lot of readers they're like, oh, you know my maybe a family member is vegetarian, or they want to add at least maybe eat a, a meal or two throughout the week that is yeah. plant-based to, you know, just for health benefit. So I think for me is I, I keep that in mind. I want to create a book just, you know, to show you it's really possible to create really delicious Chinese plant-based, like and beautiful, like, you know, vegetable dishes. Yeah. And I think one of the big fears for people who, think plant-based is that it's not going to taste as good, but we know that's not true. So what's your secret to creating mm -hmm. rich flavors with plant-based ingredients? I think it, uh, for me, one is the, the sauce, you know, you have to get the flavors. Yep. And the other is the ingredients. Like you want really different type, like all kinds of textures. Like I feel like texture and flavor, they go hands in hand. Yeah. So for me, that of course, flavor, a lot of them come from the sauce. And it's really, that's, that's like I read, as you're reading in the front chapter that, you know, I have the basic pantry guide 
And yes. I think it's very, very important for you to get, you know, a good soy sauce, a good uh, Shaoxing wine and the vinegar and, you know, oysters, like the mushroom sauce, which is like a plant-based oyster sauce. I love that uh, sauce, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's like, it is so good. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, so, like, it's really close, you know, like the similar, the flavor is really similar. And then you can make, you know, homemade black bean sauce and the chili oil and all that. I, like all of this, it really helped to create a very vibrant flavor, even when you're using a, you know, tofu or tempeh or vegetable. I think that helps a lot. Yeah, I and love the, that. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, so no, continue. Ahead, oh, yeah. And I, I was just trying to add, like, the other is the texture. When I try to, you know, if, if like how to crisp up the tofu or how to keep the vegetable crispy or, you know, use certain things like mushrooms and, you know, other tender stuff to, you know, like to, to just add texture to the dish. Yeah. Speaking of tofu and texture, you mentioned a tip to, you know, to store tofu for a long time that you can freeze it and then that'll actually transform the tofu's texture so that it's yeah. more porous. And I thought that was so interesting because I had never tried that before. It's actually a thing you can buy in China called frozen tofu. Oh. Here, you don't see that very often, but you can just make them. It's because after you freeze it, it kind of, you know, the, so it becomes like a chunk of ice. When you, when you put the tofu in the fr uh, freezer and take it out, it's like, it looks kind of weird. It's just like a block of ice. Yeah. And then after it thawed, so what happened is that with the inside of tofu, there's like still like a lot of like water in it. And they kind of just, you know, they, they, they froze and become ice. And then after th thawing, it, it just create those like porous texture inside of the tofu. It's just like a process. And uh, it, it, you know, the, the texture become a little bit more like a sponge. Yeah, so I'm going to put my tofu that's in the fridge right now in, this, into the freezer and try it's really, it. It's kind of, it's really interesting. And you can, you know, it's kind of squeeze out the, some liquid. You don't even need to squeeze that much. You don't need to, it becomes, it just kind of changes texture. Huh. So we use that type of tofu to make stew because then it becomes, so it becomes pretty um, firm and it doesn't fall apart that easily. And then it absorbs flavor better because of all the pearls texture. Sorry about my cat. I hear. Is it a she or a he? He. he. Aww. He. Oh. Well, I love cats. I have two cats, so. That's, that's <laughs> I, three. You do? Oh, no. <laughs> love it. We have to talk about noodles um, and soups because here, as you know, in California, we've just been dealing with a lot of storms and all I want is comfort food. And mm -hmm. you have a very clever approach to making eggless egg drop soup. So maybe you can tell everyone what, oh, what you do. Oh, yeah. It's it's one of my favorite uh, because I think, so in that dish, I really, really want to introduce yuba sheet. Uh, yes. It's, you know, it's, it, it, actually that's in Japanese, which is well known, more well known in the US. It's in Chinese, it, I think it's directly translated to tofu skin. It's kind of like a weird name. So so in my recipe, <laughs> I just call the yuba sheet, which is like mm -hmm. a, you know, a common name that we use here. Uh, so it's the... Uh, it's pr pretty much a tofu product that is made from soybean and water. And that's like, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that if you make soil milk at home, after you make the milk and you put it, you know, you just set it aside. When it cools off, it, it's become to for, uh, form this like thin layer on top of soil milk. And that uh -huh. is the yuba sheet. So oh. it's, pretty, it's just made with soybean and water. And, but it's a kind of like a different, has a different texture. It's very thin, 
like yeah. a piece of paper, and it's a little bit more firmer than tofu, so it doesn't really break apart. So you can just tear them off like a piece of paper, That's and so cool. you can use, you can use it as a wrapper to wrap things in. Which I、mm-hmm. also there's a yuba roll in that book, and then for me it's like I have so you can. You know, it has like many layers. You can just kind of roll them up and cut them. Like、uh, I use a scissor just to cut them into like small strips. Yep. I mean, it's really kind of like just like you know, kind of like those really thin eggs. Have you、yeah. ever eaten, like you know those like ribbon eggs or like whatever in Japanese cooking or Korean cooking those like thin egg strips? Yes. It ha- kind of has that texture, and、uh, really, really thin. I use that to. Mimic the egg because it has like a really actually has a very nice mild taste. Yeah, that is like a teeny taste. And then I use a really simple、uh, mushroom balls to to make the the base. It, it's like one of my favorite ingredient in a soup because, oh,、um, because it's so thin, it just、mm-hmm. absorbs all the flavors. So I you know I drop soup or like a, a vegetable soup or whatever soup you make. It's it's such a nice way to add a texture. You know, when you cut them and throw it in, it take one minute to cook. Yeah, it, it kind of like immediately cook through.、Um, yeah, but the te- texture is amazing. It's very, very clever. And I think another recipe, or actually several recipes, that caught my eye, and I think this will capture the hearts of meat lovers, is how you take the char siu flavors. You've got、mm-hmm. the char siu chow mein, and then the Char siu bao, which、mm-hmm. I know I think of with a fond heart in terms of like pork, but you create a plant-based version. So how do you capture these flavors? I I actually love the plant-based even more than the meat. Oh, because、yeah. I the meat version for me is like it's it's pretty heavy because it's not fatty, especially if they、uh, use、like、pork the, belly. <laughs> exactly, I know. I like the lean version, I guess. Like, but I the、mm-hmm. I I actually really really like the plant-based version because it's like. It really has that flavor, and it's really light. The for the sauce, I used so there's like a key, a few key things like the you know it, it's kind of sugary,、mm-hmm. you know it's, it it does has a, contains a lot of sugar in it, but I use oyster sauce and you know like nice uh, uh, uh of course soy sauce and like those basic sauces, but one of my secret ingredients is actually fermented uh binker, so that、right. is kind of like a un like unconventional way to make it. Because not all char siu sauce is made with that. This is my kind of like a northern approach.、Mm. Because、um, because char siu bao is a Cantonese dish, but、uh, I'm from Beijing, so I I love to use those northern ingredients. And I feel like the fermented bean curd, it has a such a nice salty fermented uh, uh, umami taste. Yeah, that enhances the sauce when you don't have the meat. So that's like. I, I think that's my secret ingredient in that sauce, and which really、um, make it like stand out. Oh, I can't wait to try it because I always have a little jar of that in my fridge because it does add a pop of umami to yeah, pretty yeah. much anything. So yes, yes. Okay, and then you also mentioned that your mom's family is from Dongbei. Am I saying、mm-hmm, that right?、Mm-hmm, yeah.、Um, where they make kimchi in the winter. So can you tell everyone about your kimchi steamed buns because they look so good. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's kind of so interesting actually. Uh, my grandma used to make them a lot. Uh, although she does use like a little bit of pork with the kimchi. And so in winter, because I'm from northern China, when I was growing up, there aren't that many vegetables 
that are available in winter because they're like not much like shipped from the south like now these days you can get everything but it used to be it's just like in winter pretty much the only like leafy vegetable you can get is not a cabbage mm. and we buy a lot like store them like you know kind of like outdoor yeah and we make sauerkraut and we make kimchi it's a big i think because like it's so close to korea yeah, so I was there wondering. are a lot of yeah, there's a lot of like cross uh cultural thing going on, and it's just like a traditional thing that yeah. we just make those to preserve those napa cabbage, so we have vegetable in winter. And one of the delicious ways is to make them into the buns. And I, I I use here I use some tofu to replace the pork, but it is really about the kimchi. Yeah, um, let the kimchi shine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so since your husband Thomas was the impetus behind going plant-based mm-hmm. i have to ask what's his favorite recipe in the book what is your favorite um i think maybe the um the chai pocket we, it's oh. a northern thing we both really really like it uh it's the uh yeah it's it's called chai pocket you so it's made with a garlic chive mm-hmm. also called chinese chive usually this is a dish made with that and some scrambled eggs and in this recipe, I use tofu to replace the egg. Yeah. And it's a really, really tasty. It's kind of like a giant dumpling. So that is the uh, type of, it called, uh, because in, in Northern China, we call them bing. So it's kind of like, I don't really know a good translation, like a pancake, but it's also not a pancake. You know, it's like a, it's like a dumpling, but it's w- much bigger. Yeah. It's, I, it's actually kind of like an empanada. So it's oh. like a bigger, it's, you know, it's like folded half moon. Oh, right, right, like, right. You, you just seal them and then you uh, pan fry. It's not deep fried. It's pan fried and the, both sides are crispy. And there's almost a, the like field. a quesadilla. <laughs> kind of <laughs> like that. Yeah, but it's sealed. You know, quesadilla, yeah. they don't, it, it, it has like, it's open. It's just, you yeah, just yeah, open. Yeah. But it's, I, yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still a dumpling. Oh, okay. uh, so, but it's like pretty big. And then you can fill up like a lot of stuff in it. I, I, I find that a great way to fill in with vegetables because you you want it to be like really like a lot of filling and uh you know dough, and the dough is super crispy when you fry them and it's it's just a great snack like we used to eat that in china for breakfast you just buy them from the street it's really good. it's really tasty i know i would love that because i remember on my way to the office i would pass by because i used to take the train in flushing into the city and there were so many great bakeries there and i would always mm. pick up like the green the scallion buns and yeah i know and so like good. that oh yeah. so making me hungry okay you need we need to talk dessert <laughs> very quickly before we get to the end um i was super excited to see that you had the recipe for the sticky rice cake with the red bean paste mm-hmm. and i just had to ask how did that make that into the book? And I mean, I'm glad you did, but I love it so much. It's like, it's, it's one of my mom's favorite dish. Aww. She loves it. And I, I like it. Like I like, I make it, uh, it's kind of like a mochi, right? Because it's, yes. like, it's your glutinous flour. It's, it's such an easy recipe, actually. So, so easy. Like that is one of the dishes I usually introduce to my friends in the US. Like if they mm-hmm. never made anything like a Chinese dessert before, I would say like, oh, try this one because the dough is really easy to work with you know it's not like a flour dough right you just kind of like it's kind of like clay you know if you mix it with water it just become this uh a bowl of clay and it's really uh pliable and you just like wrap some filling in it. it's just so simple 
Like there's nothing like, you know, it's, it's impossible to mess it up. I can't wait. Uh, my my kids love that. I always buy them like yeah. the Japanese daifuku, which is Not, yeah, exactly similar. It's yeah. like mochi because it's pretty much just mochi, but it's uh, you know it you do fry them so it becomes a little bit crispy, which is great. Mm, with the sesame seeds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Maggie, let's talk food all day. <laughs> Actually, better yet, <laughs> the next time I come to New York, we have to get together and eat because it's I first know. of all, it's been a long time since I've seen you, and second of all, I think we'd have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Before I let you go, I have some closing questions. What's something that you cook when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to dinner? Oh, fried rice. Hmm. <laughs> Definitely, always. It's uh, just a thing. I, I actually, I just love it. So all good. the time. Yeah, I, and I, I do keep it really, really simple. I, I usually throw, throw in just eggs and scallion. Like and then, I, I, it's, it's my, yeah, it's my favorite. Like I don't do like anything. Like just, just this, like I'm seasoned with salt. But oh. this is my favorite thing. So simple. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Oh, that can be like a. That's a hard question to answer. <laughs> huh, my treasure, my treasure the most. I think, hmm. Oh, this is hard to answer. <laughs> you know the central egg congee? Mm -hmm. I have a really, it's, it's a comfort food for me. Yeah. Yeah, it might sound weird, but it's like, it's my favorite thing growing up. It's like, a, it's such a comfort food that, I just at any time, like I feel like kind of like under the weather or like, oh, I really want something like comforting. I just make that. Yeah. Kanji's yeah. always, my kids yeah. love that too, whenever yeah. they're sick. So good. Yeah. Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? Oh, messy. So you don't want to see my kitchen. It's terrible. <laughs> I share it once and people are like, oh, we love this because it's so relatable. Because it's it not neat at all. Like just terrible. I know it's well. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, 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 I just made like one simple thing. Why is like nuclear bomb <laughs> just drop? Like, what happened? I know, I know. It's so crazy. Um, it doesn't matter if it's complicated or easy. Like every drawer will be open and yeah, door. Yeah. I pull like twenty things. I'm like, I made one thing. Why I pull like everything out? I can imagine what it looked like while you were testing recipes for the yeah. book. <laughs> this bad. No. What's mm. a good kitchen tip that you can share? I think for Chinese cooking, you just need to prep well. Yeah. I, I feel like you really need to just like prepare everything. Don't don't wait until you turn on the heat to cut things. Like you're not gonna able to make it. Like pull pull things out. Like even for for me, I'm like, you know, in the book, I I do mix everything properly. In reality, when I'm cooking, I can just sometimes I just throw things in. You know, I do I don't mix exactly. Yeah. All everything together, you just like pour things in. I don't measure that much it, for certain things, but even for that, I I would pull things out first mm -hmm. because imagine you like. When you when you started stir fry, you you have salt somewhere in the drawer. Like there's like you burn. That's the reason you overcook your food. But I I feel like I, I have so many people asking why I overcook my food. I feel like one is the cooking habit. You know, mm -hmm. like because Chinese cooking you use high heat and this it finishes in like three seconds. That like people just not used to that to that pace. The other thing is like you really 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 need to prep. Like yeah. things has to be on the you know on the, it's like right next to you 
Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, every week I try to share five little things, something that made me smile during the week. Is there something that made you smile? I like when I cook something and share it. I just feel like sharing food is one of the the thing that makes me really, really happy. I, I mean, people appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. Like they love it. Yeah, I think people underestimate how happy it can make other people. And you're right. It doesn't have to be something spectacular or perfect. It, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it feels better than you actually eat it yourself. Because it's yeah. kind of just like when you make it and you just eat it, it's like, okay, you know, it's gone. It's just food is gone. But yeah, then, when yeah. you share it, 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 it makes it kind of special. I agree. Well, Maggie, I had so much fun talking to you. Let's talk again soon and not let years yeah, go by sure. again. Yeah. Where can everyone find you and your new book? So uh, my book, you can find on Amazon or Barnes & Noble and like major bookstores, I'd say. Um, it's called Chinese Homestyle. Mm-hmm. And you can also find me on omniworthcookbook.com. And my Instagram is omniworthcookbook, where I share, um, you know, late, latest update and recipes and all that. And I do have a lot of like plant-based and vegetarian recipes on my website. So definitely check it out. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Maggie. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you. I am craving so many dishes from Chinese Homestyle and can't wait to dig into Maggie's book. I plan on quenching my bao bun cravings by making her chao shu bao. I think it'll be the perfect weekend project. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. And thank you again to Maggie for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.